Well, we are continuing on our Lenten sermon series, and we've been focusing on the names of Jesus. And two weeks ago, we talked about Emmanuel, which for those of you that don't know, means God with us. And we did readings that were most focused around Christmas time. And then we focused on the name of Jesus, which is his most well-known name, the second person of the Trinity, which means Savior. And this week we're going to focus on the next most name that he is known by, which is Christ, Jesus Christ, or Jesus the Christ. Christ is the, the Greek term, if you will, for the Hebrew term Messiah, which Messiah means anointed one, or it has come to us the one that was appointed or promised for a specific reason. In fact, if you look at the scriptures, particularly the readings that we read the last two weeks, it focuses on what he was anointed for, what we, he was appointed for, why he was sent, why he volunteered to come, which was to save us. That's what his name means. And this promise that came... You know, interestingly enough, if you were to look in the book of Genesis and just start reading the first few chapters, of course, you would come across the creation stories. And then after the creation stories, Adam and Eve in the garden, and they partook of the apple, a story that's known to most, if not all of us here. And then they disobey God, they sin, they fall. Well, what comes right on the heels of that? God says, basically, Genesis 3.15, I'm going to send someone. And the same serpent that led you astray will strike his heel. That's the cross. That's the crucifixion. But he will crush his head. That's salvation. That's the defeat of Satan. And that was promised thousands of years ago. That was the first prophecy, if you will, of God saying, I've got a plan. I'm going to send this Messiah. He is anointed, the anointed one, the Messiah, for this purpose. Now, when you hear the word anointing, I don't know what you think of. Well, there's one voice. But anointing actually has several different connotations in Scripture. For example... Anointing might be, as in James 5, anointing the sick. Send the, elder, the elders to someone who is sick and anoint the sick person. Or you might see anointing with Jesus in John chapter 12 when Jesus refers to being anointed for his burial. And we refer to anointing in last rites, you know, when someone is going to die. But in the Old Testament... Oftentimes, anointing is associated with three specific offices or callings. Prophet, priest, and king. Which Jesus fulfilled all of those roles in the most powerful way. He was a prophet, again, promised in the scriptures. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy, two verses that Moses said 
God is going to send a prophet just like me. Just like me. The difference with this prophet that he's going to send is he's going to bring a new covenant. Moses brought the covenant of the Ten Commandments to the law. This new covenant is going to be a covenant established by his blood, his sacrifice. A covenant that is established by God through him and his sacrifice of himself for our salvation. We refer to the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, the New Testament, the New Covenant that was brought through Jesus, the promised one to bring it. Also a new commandment. God gave the commandments through Moses. The new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, laying down his life for us. So Jesus has anointed this prophet. He's anointed priest. Once again, going back to the Old Testament, what did a priest do? A priest was the one who brought God's presence to the people and the people's requests to God. He was the mediator. Jesus we refer to as the one mediator for our sins. That's what we're going to be doing when we share in this little baptism of Elizabeth May in a little bit. The one who was just taken out of the room. But we're going to talk about this one mediator, Jesus Christ. And that's what the priest did in the Old Testament. And that's what our high priest, Jesus, did for us. He was anointed for that. But he's also king. We call Jesus Lord. He is meant to be the king over all of us. The king in the Old Testament was anointed. And several times the reference is as if God's son, as if God's representative, as if God's rule over the people. And Jesus came to be Lord. And we are to submit to him. So Jesus was anointed for this reason, this Messiah. Jesus was not an accidental person in an accidental role. Some people in the world think that. He kind of fell into it. He was a good person. He was a good moral teacher. That's not the case. This is not about fate. This is not about destiny. There's no impersonal force here. You know, like Darth Vader. This is your destiny, Luke. This is not it. This was the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In love, in community. Purposeful. Where God said, this is my plan. And Jesus said, and I will live into that. A decision made by the Godhead for us, for our salvation. For what purpose? To save us. So he came as a suffering servant. Crucified. Not the Messiah that many people were expecting. Not the kind of king they were expecting. Not the kind of high priest they were expecting. Not the kind of prophet they were expecting. They were expecting this glorious person that was worldly powerful, that was worldly wealthy. Jesus came humbly. 
to suffer. And they didn't understand. And sometimes when we are called to be Christians, Christians, we don't always understand our role. That we are called to be servants, to be self-sacrificial, to love as he loved. Somehow people have this impression that we're called to just sit back. If we're following in his footsteps, that's not the call. Not to be a Christian like him. In fact, sometimes we might not even like the tasks as we read the scriptures that we're called to do. I mean, look at what Jesus did. Jesus even points it out in a very powerful way. After three years with his apostles, you would think that they would get it. The other people didn't get it. They wanted a different kind of Messiah. Jesus washes their feet. And he says, now, let me explain it to you. He said, you call me Lord, Lord, you're right. But I'm the one who comes to wash your feet. Have you ever been appointed or anointed to a task that you kind of thought was like, really? When I was growing up, we were each given chores in our house. My chore, I had a a little sister who was mentally handicapped, so she really wasn't given chores per se, but I had another sister and a brother. My chore, amongst others, was the bathrooms. In hindsight, I think I was the right choice. I'm serious. Because I'm not so sure my brother and sister could have handled it that well. And actually, I kept the job all through my growing up. I think I did it too well. But you know what it made me realize? There's nothing that's below me, and there's nothing I won't do. Interesting lesson. That was a really helpful lesson. Sometimes around here, something happens or someone's not here, and I have to do something, and I get this little, like, I shouldn't have to do that. Did you ever do that? And then I have to fight that and say, remember. And that's what the Lord reminds us. This is the kind of Messiah that came for us. There was nothing that was below him. And out of love, he was willing to sacrifice everything. You know, the reality is, he was appointed for this task before time. He wasn't just promised at Genesis. He was appointed before time. And we have a hard time getting our minds around that. See, Genesis 1, when it says in the beginning, it's also the beginning of time. Because there was no marking of time before that. God's eternal. And so when we read in the beginning, let me read to you what Titus says about this. Or Paul's letter to Titus, I should say. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith, God's elect, and the knowledge of the truth, 
that is in accordance with godliness, in the hope of eternal life that God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. In due time, he revealed this in his word through the proclamation, which I've been entrusted. Before the ages. Before time. God knew what was in his mind. It wasn't a surprise to him. He planned it. He knew. He knew we would sin. He gave us free will. And he made us in his image. Which means he kind of knew that we'd want to be in his place. And we would respond contrary to his will, which is exactly what Adam and Eve would do. So he had a plan to deliver us. You need to think about this. This is not an accident that God knew from before time he would need to send his son. To me, that's assuring. You know, sometimes I'm a good planner. Sometimes I'm a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants person. And I know people around me that are incredible planners. And sometimes they're so detailed, it drives me crazy. You know people like that? It's like what they just lighten up. But you know what? We need people like that. We need people that are really good planners. And you know what else? That's a gift from the Lord. Because they're made in God's image too. Because God is very detailed. Look at creation. Look at your body. God had a plan. And I'm amazed sometimes at the intricacies of his creation. It's amazing how much we still don't know about the human body, about the depths of the sea, about the universe. But God does. God knew from the beginning what he would do. And Jesus was willing from the beginning to follow his plan. And he fulfilled every prophecy. Every prophecy. Dozens of prophecies given Hundreds, if not thousands of years before he was born. Now you would say, now he probably had all those in mind, almost like a checklist. I don't think so. Think about some of the prophecies that he fulfilled. He was born through the line of Judah. He didn't make that happen as a physical human being, but he did as the Son of God. He was born in Bethlehem. He was born, as Scripture says, at the right time. Let me ask you a question. Did you have any part in when and where you were born? No. God designed it all. Jesus fulfilled the prophecies of having the blind see and the deaf hear 
and the good news preached to people. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Jesus fulfilled the prophecy of hanging on a tree and becoming a curse for us in our place for our sin. Over and over again, the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. It's an amazing intricacy of God. He was anointed. He was appointed. He was promised for this reason. And when I think about that, it, it makes me in awe about God's grace and God's love, God's detail, God's care. It wasn't an accident. Jesus wasn't an accident. And he came for a purpose. And his purpose was to save you and me from our sin. Let me read to you specifically the scriptures that I alluded to before. Luke chapter 2. You'll recognize it if you heard the Christmas story. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Messiah. The one anointed, appointed to be your Savior. His name's Jesus. And from Matthew. She will bear a son. And you will name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sins. He came with a purpose. He came for his purpose. Over and over again. It was all about salvation. It was all about the gospel. Mark chapter 1. The first chapter of Mark. Even though we don't have the birth narrative like the other two. Matthew and Luke. What Jesus says. We must go to the other towns and villages. So that I might preach and teach there. For that is why I came. To get the word out. To get the gospel out. So that people might come to know salvation. He was always about salvation. In his life. In his death. Always. That's why he came. That's why he was anointed. That's why he is Jesus the Christ. Three times. In the gospel of John he said. I must go to Jerusalem to suffer and die. He knew his purpose. You know, we have a saying. I mean, I don't know if you've heard it. I've heard it from my children periodically. Sometimes it's in reference to me. That was random. Did you ever hear that? You know, another way of saying it back in my day, it was like kind of loose association. Like, how did you get to that from that? God is never random. God sent his son with a purpose. For a purpose. For our salvation. And he has a purpose for your life. And just like he did from the very beginning, he gives you a choice. 
to come to know this Messiah as your Savior. To come to know what it means to truly be a Christian to follow him. To come to discover the depth of his love and grace. To come to discover the purpose he has for you. You are not here by accident. You're not even here today by accident. Because God wants you to know that he has a purpose for you. But it's your choice. Because he's not random. And nothing he's done is by accident. He was appointed. He was anointed. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, God spoke to our ancestors in many and various ways by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by a son who he appointed. Heir of all things, through whom he also created the worlds. He is a reflection of God's glory and the exact imprint of God's very being. And he went to the cross for your salvation. And he rose again to show that he has the power over sin and death. And he did so purposefully. But it's your choice. And he has a purpose for you. Let's pray. Before we go to the Lord, we're about to do and share in a baptism. In it, we'll hear anew what it means to be committed to Christ. The truths that we find in the creed in question and answer form about Jesus. And fulfilling the prophecies. Some of you have never really made that commitment. Some of you have made that commitment, but you really haven't done a whole lot with it. But this is an opportunity for you to know God's purpose for your life. That Jesus the Christ came to save us, to offer us salvation and eternal life. He was anointed as our Messiah. And we have the opportunity to know that salvation. For today, for all eternity, that our lives and our purpose might be transformed. Lord God, we thank you that you are not a God of accident or of plan B, but a God of purpose. Lord, that you created us on purpose. That you sent your Son 
and anointed him to be the Messiah, the Christ. And Lord, that he went to the cross, wholly committed and submitted to you. Wholly committed to live into this call on his life to be our Messiah. Lord God, I pray this day that you would impress upon all of us the depth of your love, the depth of your grace, the depth of your commitment, and the unfolding of your salvation, not only for everyone and for all time, for those who believe and especially for each one of us. And Lord, I pray that as we share in this baptism, that it might be an opportunity for some to recommit their lives and maybe even an opportunity for others to come to know you as Savior, the Christ, and the Lord of their lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.